Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. Because you are made in the image of God, you are perfect. Not because of anything you have done or have not done, anything you have or don't have, but because of who your Father is. And who is this King of glory? He's the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the keeper of creation and the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe and the manager of all time. He always was, always is, and always will be unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. He was bruised but brought healing. He was pierced but eases pain. He was dead and brings life. He has risen and brings power, and he reigns to bring peace. The world, they can't understand him. And armies, they can't defeat him. Schools can't explain him, and leaders, they can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. The Pharisees, they couldn't confuse him, and the people couldn't hold him. Nero couldn't crush him. Hitler couldn't silence him. The new age can't replace him, and no one could ever explain him away. He is light. He is love. He is longevity, and He is the Lord. He is goodness and kindness and faithfulness, and He is God. He is holy and righteous and mighty and powerful and pure. He all, his ways are always right. His word is eternal, and His will is unchanging. And His mind, it's on me, and it's on you. He is my Savior, my God, my peace, my joy, my comfort, and my Lord, and He rules my life. I serve Him because He is so good to us every single day. His bond is love, and His burden is light, and His goal for us is abundant life. I follow him because he is the wisdom of the wise and the power of the powerful. He is the ancient of days. He is the ruler of rulers. He is the leader of all leaders. And his goal is a relationship with me. And his goal is forever that I would be with him. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. And he never misleads me. He will never forget me. He will never overlook me. And he will never cancel my appointment book, my appointment and his appointment book. When I fall, he's the one who lifts me up. When I fail, he's the one that forgives me. When I'm weak, he's the one who is so strong. When I lost my way, he's the one who makes a way out of no way. 
When I'm afraid, he's my courage. When I stumble, he steadies me. When I'm hurt, he comforts me. When I'm broken, he mends me. When I'm blind, he leads me. When I'm hungry, he feeds me. When I face trials, he's the one who is with me. When I face persecution, he shields me. When I face problems, he guides me. When I face loss, he provides for me. And when we face death, he will carry us all home to meet with him. He is everything for everybody, everywhere, and in every way. He is your God, and he is faithful. I am his, and he is mine. He is the Lamb of God, the great I Am, the Alpha and Omega, the lover coming for his bride. He is the name that is above every single name. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Of all of those names, of all of the words that could ever describe who Jesus is, the one word we're told in scripture that best describes him is love. One of Jesus' most beloved disciples, John, writes in 1 John twice, God is love. This year we have been going through the theme of love, as I mentioned earlier. We've looked through the heart of God's holy written word with the lens of love this year, from Genesis to Revelation. And we've highlighted instances, and many of you have even talked to me and said, as I've gone through the Bible this year with a different set of eyes, looking at scripture through the lens of love, love pops off the page in places I never expected it. As we come to a close of this year and this theme of love, what better way to close out the year on this theme of love than the birth of Christ? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. In that statement from the very lips of Christ himself is the gospel in one sentence. The gospel in one sentence. That word that John talks about that is love, that God who is love, the word of God which is the Bible, that word that spoke everything into creation that word became flesh and dwelt among us. He said, John did, in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the, beginning was the, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He was with God in the beginning. He's making the distinction. Jesus was God made flesh. We look this month, we've been looking at this idea of faith. We've been looking at this aspect of love, that love never loses faith. And as we look at these two juxtaposed together, compared together, broken down together, love and faith, faith and love, we've been looking at Hebrews chapter 11. 
And in Hebrews chapter 11, we read of these great heroes of faith. We actually call this the, uh, the hall of faith, if you will, of the Bible. Heroes of faith like Abel or Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Noah, even Rahab the prostitute in the city of Jericho remained faithful. And because she was faithful, God counted it to her as righteousness as well. And did you know Rahab is in the lineage of Jesus? She is one of Jesus' ancestors. It was their faith that was tested all along the way in this story that we talk about in Scripture that leads us to this one point, this one cross-section in human history in this small town that for other reasons would have just been passed over. This small town of Bethlehem now is the biggest town we know of in our minds about the birth of Christ. This place where David, the king, was born would also be the place where the king of kings and the Lord of lords would be born. But there's another person in this great hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 that within the next few minutes that I have you tonight, I want to talk about that I think clearly parallels the same story of Jesus. And if you'll hold on with me just for a moment, I want to be able to unpack this really quickly. It's in Hebrews 11, starting with verse 23. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews states. It was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. Why? Because the Pharaoh at the time was not hospitable to the Israelites. They had grown in number. They lived in the land of Goshen, which is just east of where the pyramids were. And they had grown in such size that the current Pharaoh had started to get a little antsy about it. Because if they decided they wanted to take over because there were more of them than there were the Egyptians, they could form a coup and take over the whole land of Egypt. It had been now 400 years beyond the Pharaoh that favored Joseph in the book of Genesis that loved Joseph, that put Joseph in command over everything. Now, 400 years later, that Pharaoh is long gone, and a new Pharaoh has come onto the scene, and he's afraid of the Israelites. And so, he puts in a creed to have every child under the age of two, every male-born child under the age of two, thrown into the Nile River and murdered. So, he could start cutting down the population. But... Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they knew the edict from Pharaoh would land on their home too. They saw that God had given them this unusual child, the writer of Hebrews says, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's commands. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Why? Because as Moses' parents cared for him, they actually put him in the river that the kids were being drowned, except they put him in a basket, a mini ark, if you will, an ark of safety. And it would just so happen that the winds that day and the currents of the river would sweep him onto shore next to where Pharaoh's daughter was. And he would be taken in as her child. He would grow up as royalty. And as we see the writer of Hebrews says, he refused to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter. 
He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to a greater reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle the blood on the doorposts that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. Think of this. Moses, having wandered away from Egypt for 40 years, now coming back at the age of 80 because God had called him from a burning bush, says, I hear the cries of my people and you are my guy. I want you to go let my people be set free. And we know of the 10 plagues and the final plague is this plague of the death of the firstborn sons and the only saving grace for any home for the firstborn sons would be the sacrifice of a pure spotless lamb. And the blood of that lamb would be smeared on the doorposts and on the lentils as a sign to the angel of death that swept through the land that night that this home has salvation on its doors. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. And when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all swallowed up by the sea. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came crashing down. It was by faith that Rahab the prostitute was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Here's the one key point tonight. If I lose you after this, I apologize. But this one thing I want you to remember is this. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. How does this Moses story have any relation to the Christ story? Well, here's the point. The first point is this. Like Moses was hidden from Pharaoh for three months after he was born, guess what? Jesus was hidden from King Herod after he was born. In Matthew chapter two, listen to how similar these stories are. This is amazing, listen to this. After the wise men were gone, the wise men from the east had come to bring gifts of frankincense, gold, and myrrh to Jesus. What happens next? Well, they had heard from Herod, who they had seen first, who had asked them, hey, when you find out where this little kid is, let me know, I would love to go worship him too. There was something strange about this king and the wise men had felt, no, we're going to go back a different way. And so after the wise men had left, Matthew says, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until you, re- uh, until you return because Herod is going to search for the child and kill him. Guess what Herod did? He put out an edict after he realized the wise men were not going to come back, that they had gone on another way. He decided, I'll know what I'll do. I'm going to put out an edict that any child born in that region of Bethlehem, that area, every male child under the age of two will be put to slaughter. So an angel of the Lord came to Joseph in a dream and said, listen, take him out of here. Take him to where? 
where Moses had fled from. Second thing is like Moses, when he grew up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Jesus, though he was God, didn't think equality with God something to be attained. I love the way Paul puts this. One of my favorite passages of scripture is in Philippians chapter two. Listen to what Paul says. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though that he was God, he didn't think of equality with God as something to cling to. Think about that. Jesus was God in the flesh. Paul even admits it. John just admitted it in John chapter one, verse one. Remember, the word became flesh dwelt among us. And he says, Jesus, though he was God, didn't think equality with God was something to cling to. It's not like he was walking around with that plastered on his chest or tattooed on his shoulder or anything like that. He wasn't walking around with this arrogant, pompous, I told you so attitude. Instead, the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the God, the great I am from the burning bush to Moses, became a baby, became a man, and didn't think equality with God as something to cling to, and instead he became the greatest servant of all time. He says, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. That last song in the set of songs was talking about the death of Christ. You cannot think about the birth of Christ without thinking of the death of Christ, because the birth means nothing without what his purpose was for. And the third thing tonight, and quickly, like Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover, to sprinkle the blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons, Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, would become the Passover sacrifice whose blood would be poured out, if you will, on a doorpost and a lintel in the form of a cross. The greatest form of execution ever known to man that the Romans had perfected. He would be the one whose blood would be poured out. He would be the one the night before he was arrested would sit around a table with his 12 disciples. Even the one who would walk away from that table that night to betray him into the hands of the enemy. And he would take the bread that night and he would break it and say, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. And he would take the cup that night. We believe it was the third cup because they would take four cups that night. The third cup was known in the Passover tradition as the cup of redemption. The cup of redemption that night, most scholars believe he rose and said, take and drink. For this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for the sins of many. Do you know what the fourth cup is? It's basically this cup of celebration, reunification. It's this idea that when we drink it, it's a celebration that we drink it together because the promises of God have been fulfilled. What is the next promise of God we're waiting on? The second coming of Christ. And he says something that night around the Passover meal with his disciples, preparing himself as the spotless lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He says, I will not drink of the cup with you until I drink it anew with you in heaven. Think of the fourth cup in the symbolic nature in which this baby that was born some 30 years before. Listen to what Simeon, so 
the eighth day after Jesus was born, before they hauled off to Egypt, before Herod got this wild idea to kill off all the first sons in Bethlehem, they took him to the temple, which was the custom of the Jewish people, to have him circumcised on the eighth day. Anna sees him. She's a prophetess, a woman who had waited to see the coming of the Messiah. But also Simeon had been there. And Simeon, listen to what he says. He blessed them in Luke chapter 2. And he said to Mary, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall. Have you ever had somebody tell you that at the birth of one of your children? This kid's going to be a great stumbling block. Bless you. Right? I mean, that's basically what she say, he's saying to her. This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, listen to this. Would you have the audacity to say this next sentence to a new mother? The deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your very soul. At the birth of Jesus, just eight days after his birth, he gets, Mary gets this, this prophetic voice from a man named Simeon who was up in age. You're going to experience a great amount of pain. This child will be a joy to many people, but he will cause many others to stumble and fall, and his sword will pierce your very soul. Moms, those of you that have lost a child, no one can know the pain of a mother or a father who's lost a child quite like you. And the pain goes deeper than anybody else can know. But I promise you this, there is one who is acquainted with your griefs, your sorrows, one who knows the very depths of despair you have experienced. One who gave his one and only son. Even at his birth, Jesus was destined as the perfect Passover sacrifice for the sins of the world. And because of the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and now he sits at the right hand of the throne of God, advocating on our behalf. And today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of freedom, and yet so many live in bondage. Because of Jesus, through our faith in him, we can have everlasting life. Because of Jesus, we can approach the throne room of grace with confidence, knowing that what he did on the cross and our belief and faith in him can bring us to this place of salvation where we no longer have to worry about sin or death. Let me close with this. The late Mike Iaconelli, one of my favorite authors, you've probably heard me quote him if you've come to church here at all, in his book called Messy Spirituality. It's not for the faint of heart. He was a pastor, but not the kind of pastor you would anticipate as being the very scholarly suit and tie guy. But Mike Iaconelli in his book Messy Spirituality writes this, buried in the back of my mind is this gnawing worry that 
my Grace credit card is going to be canceled. Parked somewhere in the subconsciousness of my mind is the belief that grace and forgiveness are lavish, unconditional, but limited. Cross Jesus one too many times, fail too often, sin too much, and God will decide to take his love back. It's so bizarre, he says, because I know Christ loves me, but I'm not sure he likes me. And I continually worry that God's love will simply wear out. Let me reassure you tonight before we close and go to communion that God loves you. He cares for you. He wants what's best for you. The love of God can be rejected, yes, but that doesn't stop him from loving you. You can reject that love. You can try to deflect that love. You can try to block that love. You can try to say that that love isn't real because it doesn't come from somebody who is real, but that doesn't make his love any less real toward you. However, what he could do, he did. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. However, the only thing God cannot do for you is to make the choice for you to believe in him. And so tonight, you may have come here out of tradition. You may have come here seeking or searching for something. You may have come here just with a family member. But whatever reason, I believe this was a preordained event for you. That you have been called here with a reason and a purpose. And this night, in this place, is a divine appointment. Because God loves you. And his greatest desire is to see you grow into this creation he created you to be so very long ago. To see you become the you you were created to be in your mother's womb. That you were knit together in. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Do you know that? And if you're running, fighting, kicking, screaming, maybe it's time to raise that white flag of surrender and say, I can't do this anymore. And instead of giving up and giving in to your baser instincts, why don't you give up and give in to him? And so tonight I ask you, I'm going to pray this prayer, and I ask that you would follow me in prayer. You could pray it out loud. You could pray it in your own heart. God knows the words of your heart and your mind. But pray this prayer of salvation, but only pray it if you really mean it. Because see, these words don't mean a thing unless they come from a heart of desire to know God intimately. You can say the word and say, well, I prayed this prayer back in 2019 on December the 24th. I'm saved. But see, the idea isn't about praying a set of certain words. It's about living a life committed to Christ through faith. Maybe not perfectly, maybe royally messing it up. But getting back up and heading back in the direction of God every time you stumble and fall. Because your grace credit card has no limit. He still loves you. So tonight, will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I know that my life hasn't been perfect. 
I know that I've not always brought you glory through the choices I've made. And God, I know my sin abounds in your holy presence. But God, I believe that you love me, that you sent Jesus to die on a cross for me, and that my faith in him is what saves me from hell. And so God, I surrender. I surrender my desires, my wants, my hopes, my dreams, and all the baggage of my life I surrender to you. Take me as I am. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I repent of my sin. Help me to live new life as a new creation for the rest of my days. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Our ushers are gonna be handing out elements tonight. And as they come forward and begin to distribute the elements of communion, we offer an open communion. And if you're not familiar with what that is, that is if you are a believer in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, even if you prayed that prayer tonight for the very first time, you may take of the body and the blood that I spoke of just earlier that Jesus broke around the Last Supper table as the great one and only Passover sacrifice that now no longer we have to make sacrifices again. We can, as the writer of Hebrews states, approach the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that what Jesus did on our behalf saves us from sin and death. Your advocate to the Father is none other than Jesus. And now, Father, we lift you high. And we thank you for the sacrifice of Christ. We also thank you for the birth of Christ that gave us hope for a new life. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Main is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.